In the Genesis story found at the very beginning of your Bible, there is this, for the first time, concept of the Sabbath. This idea comes from the fact that God worked to establish his creation in six days, and then on the seventh day, he took a break. He rested. He took a Sabbath. In the passage that Lara just read, we see Moses has brought this message once again to God's people to tell them, hey, you should be participating in a Sabbath. From the very beginning of the scripture all the way throughout, we'll see this concept arise time and time again. In fact, taking a Sabbath is even one of the Ten Commandments. It's something that Jesus will reframe, but it's something he will still encourage his people to do. It's as if when God created humanity and all that would surround us, he wove through the fabric of time and space this rhythm of Sabbath that should take place. And there's a warning that's found in Scripture that if you don't live in this rhythm, you will experience death. H.H. Farmer, who was a pastor, once said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. Today, as we look at this next passage in the Exodus story, I want to encourage you to avoid some of the splinters that we get as we run our hands across time and space, as we live the rhythms of our lives. I want to encourage you to implement this spiritual practice which invites rest and restoration to our lives. This is something that I have not always been particularly great at, but it is something that I have found that as I've engaged in it and built it into being one of my rhythms, I have found that it has done a world of good for me and my family. And I've known that it's something that's really good because I am far from perfect at it. And I'm actually often someone who breaks my Sabbath even though I intend to keep it. But the shocker to me, which really shouldn't be a shocker at all when I began this, was that when I do what the Bible says I should do, I find myself in a much better place. And when I don't do this spiritual practice, It puts me on edge, can put me in an awful, nasty place because I find myself drained and missing the restoration that I need. And so my hope today is sort of to encourage you along with me in following this pattern that we read about in Scripture. So here Moses is given this command to God's people, something that has been talked about a number of times, and he comes to to talk about it again, and he says, I want you to take a Sabbath. Now, Sabbath, or the Hebrew word Shabbat, means to cease, to stop, to rest. When we take a Sabbath, it's an opportunity to stop everything that demands something of us. It's an encouragement to stop rushing through life from one thing to the next. It's an encouragement to stop working so that we can continue to live our lives. It's an encouragement to cease worrying and to give up our anxiety 
to experience not just a physical rest, but a mental and emotional one too. Taking a Sabbath is about more than stopping to smell the roses. It looks like something far more involved than taking a lunch break in the middle of your day to sort of be able to get over the hump of what you have to do. Instead, Sabbath is something that looks a lot more like a vacation day that ends around the fire. I don't know about you, but one of the most peaceful days I can think about is when I'm on vacation with my family and we go off and every year we do this, we take uh, a number of days and we go up to Chilliwack Lake and we just rest. There's no cell reception. I don't bring anything that will sort of occupy my time and my mind and instead we just get up when we wake up and we have a leisurely breakfast and then we walk down the hill to the lake. We hang out at the lake until we're hungry, then we grab something to eat, and then we spend some more time at the lake. Do I want to nap? I nap. Do I want to read? Then I read. Do I want to just swim? Then I swim. And then when everybody's nice and tired, we head back up to the campsite, we cook dinner, and then we rest. We put on the fire. We grab our favorite beverage in hand, whatever that is for each one of us, and we just sit. And as the stars come out, we look, and we laugh, and we talk, and we rest. That's a good pattern that I need to incorporate every year into my life in order to keep going and to find what I need for what's next. But God invites us to do that not just once a year when we're on vacation, but to make it a part of our regular routine of rest. We see right from the beginning, God established this to be a weekly rhythm, right? Right there, Genesis 1 and 2. Everything's created, and in verse 3 of chapter 2, we read this. Then God blessed the seventh day of the week, and made it holy. Holy means to be set apart for him. He made it holy because on that day he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. To take a Sabbath is literally to take a 24-hour period of time each week and to set it apart to honor God and to enjoy the good things that he has given Now, if you're like me, that sounds nice, but you end up saying, but wait, what about all the work that is to be done? Well, we don't Sabbath when the work is done. And there's a lesson in that. Because even when God took a rest, the work did not cease. He's been at work for centuries and millennia after. The work continues to go. You and I work will never stop to happen. It doesn't matter how many chores I do on my list, there's always a chore for me next Friday. It doesn't matter how many errands I seem to run, there's always one more errand of that thing I forgot to pick up. It doesn't matter how many projects I have accomplished this week, I know when Monday hits, I'm back in the office with a to-do list. 
If we try to set ourselves up around the rhythms of our life, what's going to happen? We're never going to stop. And we're literally going to drive ourselves, heart, mind, soul, and body, into the ground. You know this. I know this. But for some reason, we don't heed this warning. Right? Instead, what we do when we come to these passages, if you're like me, you have to say, but do I really have to Sabbath? I remember about uh, four years ago, I started on this journey of studying a little bit more in depth the, the, the pattern of Sabbath as I've tried to, to grow in my maturity as a follower of Jesus, as I've tried to set my life more on the rhythms of him. And I kind of got to this place where I was like, I get it, it's in scripture, I see that Jesus did it, but really, I got all these things to do. I have all these things I want to accomplish. You know, some of us, we got our side hustles, and, and we add that work to us because there's other things that we have and we want more. Our desires, though, often outpace our ability to rest, and that drives us into a place where we live life in a nonsensical way. I mean, really, if you think about it, we've conditioned ourselves to live at a very unhealthy pace. We pride ourselves on busyness. In fact, this is the one commandment in all of scripture that we actually boast about breaking. None of us are like, wow, I'm really proud that I lied a bunch this week. Oh, good, I committed a murder. Oh, I took the Lord's name in vain seven times this week instead of six. No, we don't do any of those things. But what do we do is we come to church or back to work, and someone says, how's the week been? How was your weekend? And we said, man, it was so busy. I got this done and this done and this done and this done and this done. It was incredible. Actually, I have even more stuff that I have to do next week or next weekend. We pride ourselves on the thing that is really robbing us of our life. I mean, really, if you want to ask the question, do I have to participate in this? I want you to just for a second stop and think. How's the pace going? Is this something I can really sustain forever? Is this something that's bringing me health? Is this something that's bringing me joy and peace? Or do I feel like I'm stuck in a bunch of insanity? I believe this is very much intentional of why God wove this in even to the Ten Commandments, right? When God gave the Ten Commandments, he was saying, I want to give you a list of things that you ought to do for your good and for the flourishing of humanity. And we remember a whole lot of them. But for some reason, if you're like me, this one seems to slip the mind. But right there in the midst, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11, we read this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is to be a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, Neither you, now listen to this, parents, nor your son or daughter, 
Now listen to this, employers. Nor your male or female servants or employees, nor your animals, nor the foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is within them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God put that in the Ten Commandments. Then he related again. Actually, we, we kind of just brush by this as we've gone through Exodus. But in, in, in chapter 31, again, God said through Moses, take a rest, listen to me, keep the Sabbath. And then again, we come to what Lara read earlier, Exodus 35, 1 and 2 particularly. Moses assembled everybody in the community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Seems to me like God might be serious about this. For starters, he says, you should be put to death for ignoring this. And I think, and we can even hear this, you will be put to death by ignoring this, because your rhythms will take you there. Whenever the Bible repeatedly encourages us, though, to do something, it's usually a wise thing to listen. If you understand Hebrew culture, you know that when something's repeated three times, it meant this is something to be a part of your life. Listen to this. It's wisdom. It's wise. Now, I don't want you to do this out of a sense of guilt. I, I don't want you to do this just because there's this threat of death. And I think, as we'll see in a few moments, that Jesus will reinterpret uh, this for us, for what this is for. But I want you instead to hear the invitation of what the Sabbath can bring to your life. You know, it's really easy to hear this as a concept and be like, okay, well, yeah, that's good. I know that it's supposed to be good. But what does it really look like in practice? What does it really bring for benefit? One of the amazing things that we have found as people have studied the Sabbath, and I mean legitimately studied the benefits in peer-reviewed academic journals, is that taking a Sabbath has health benefits. There are peer-reviewed academic journals that you can access which will argue that to partake into Sabbath is to reap positive health benefits. One study that just took place a few years ago in 2019 took a group of women who had never regularly practiced taking a day off in their life and it tracked the habit and its impact on their lives through the course of the study. And you know what they found? that as these women participated in Sabbath, not only was their sense of self-awareness of how they used their time enhanced, not only did it give them opportunity to have a little bit of time for some, some self-care, but it enriched all their relationships with their family and friends. It helped them to develop a greater depth of spirituality. Every single one reported that. And every single one reported that they had a greater sense of rest and decreased anxiety and the toll that those things take on their body throughout the week 
not just on that day of rest. There's physiological things that change when we take a Sabbath rest. A great way to understand this is done by another peer-reviewed article, which was to study the life of the Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists are people who take the Sabbath seriously. It's a central part of their religious experience. And you know what they found is they studied Seventh-day Adventists all over the world. They found that no matter where they were found or what their ethnic background or no matter what they did for work that might contribute to their stress and to their decline health, it found that in almost every case, they lived for four to 10 years longer than the population of people around them. There is something that God has woven in to humanity since the beginning that if we would take a Sabbath rest, we would experience health benefit. But it's not just the physiological benefit that we get, but it actually restores our heart, mind, and soul. Sabbath does something for you that coffee and Red Bull can't. I mean, anyone like me, you go through a little bit of extra caffeine just to get through certain days. I'm the only one. Anyone here take a nap to get through a hump maybe once in a while? Yeah, we do this, right? And we go, oh, I need to do this to sort of recharge, to reset, to, to restore myself. But for some reason, no matter how many cups of coffee, no matter how many Red Bulls I chug down, no matter how many naps I can squeeze in, I still feel empty. I still feel mentally exhausted, even though I got that little bit of focus in. There's still stuff that's going on in my heart and soul that caffeine and a nap just can't touch. And that's why God give us Sabbath rest. Jesus reminds us in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In this instance, what's happening is Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees who are challenging him from after he's restoring life into people. If you were to read through the Gospels, you will see that time and time again, Jesus restores people mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually on this day of rest. This really frustrated the Pharisees. It really confused those who were around him. But what Jesus was trying to indicate in this is that this is the day that the Lord has made to restore you, to bring wholeness to your life. Jesus continues to weave this purpose in to the Sabbath so that we, I believe, could pick up on the gift of restoration. This is something that I have found has met me in even the deepest, heaviest times of burnout. When I've gone through burnout, I have realized that no matter how much sleep I try to get, no matter how much caffeine I put in, no matter how good my diet is, it's never quite enough. 
But for some reason, when I take a Sabbath rest, there's this restoration that reaches deep within, that touches parts of me, which I just can't seem to get access into on my own. And I believe that's something that God has said, I want to give this to you as you honor me in this. Another benefit the Sabbath has is it puts our work into perspective. As I said, we we were always running and chasing and working and driving and side hustling and keeping business. And and even if we, we were to package all of those things away, even if for some way, somehow we could fit that all in, we would all still have a drive within us that says put more work in. We'd say, okay, I got everything done at work today, so I have some time to do some renovations on the weekend. Okay, I've got everything done, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep in touch with all those people so they know that I care about them. I'm going to have a few extra moments, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep up my social media presence. We have all these different drives which are within, and if we're not careful, but we're honest, we'll see that we'll be consumed 24-7, 365, with things that want to eat our lives. But the Sabbath does something to change that, to bring a fresh perspective And a key insight into seeing this is actually how the command for the Sabbath is given. The command for the Sabbath is actually given in a couple different places. The first one I read, which is Exodus 20, is in the Ten Commandments. But then there's the second time that it's given in the form of the Ten Commandments, again in the book of Deuteronomy. But interestingly, if you were to compare and contrast the two texts, you would see that there's two different reasons given. When God first gives the command to keep the Sabbath holy in Exodus chapter 20, he says, I want you to do this because this is what I do. There's this indication that we are to do the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath, to practice the Sabbath, to cease, to rest, in order to imitate our lives after God. And this makes sense. I mean, the Israelite people for 400 years have been slaves. They've been told that they couldn't practice their own religion. They've become distant from God, not fully understanding him, pointed towards worshiping other gods and the ways that they go about being. And when God saves his people and brings them out into the wilderness, he says, I want you to understand me. I want you to know me. I want to see you the benefit of being with me. And so this is what I want you to do. Keep the Sabbath as a commandment because it imitates me. But notice what happens in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Here there's this fresh telling of what the Sabbath command is. And it's given in preparation for the people of God who are going to go into the promised land. 
A new generation of people who have been traveling with God in their presence for quite a period of time. No longer were they slaves like their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and generations before, but they are a new people who are about to enter into the promised land. And so God reiterates this teaching. And it starts out much the same in verse 12, saying, Observe the Sabbath, keep it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. But then in verse 15, there's a difference. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Subtle difference, but a massively significant. I want you in the first case to keep the command because it imitates me. In this case, I want you to keep this command because it enjoys the things that come from being with me. In one case, it's all about imitation. In the second case, it's all about freedom. Here it's about embracing the fact that when we are with God, we are no longer slaves to other masters. For the people of Israel, they had lived for 420 years with taskmasters and ultimately Pharaoh over them, dictating their every move, and they were relentless. As we studied at the beginning of our journey through Exodus, these people would have to work in backbreaking heat until their death because everything was expected of them. But here God says, while you used to have them and these other things as your masters, now as your master, I give you freedom to rest. Some of us need to hear this today. Pastor Dave Lomas down in the States says this, while we might not have Pharaoh enslaving us from the outside, we all have little Pharaohs that enslave us from the inside out. When we take a Sabbath, we end up saying no to those things that drive us away from rest, those things that rob us of personal wholeness. It's a way to embrace both ways that the Sabbath can be taken. Use the Sabbath to rewrite your script. Use the Sabbath to, to put yourself into a different position of what it looks like to be restored and healthy and whole and have a life of rhythm that honors the things that God has done for you. Use Sabbath to have a cohesive life. One of the things that I think has been most powerful for me in keeping the Sabbath is it has caused me to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. If you're like me, you have no problem saying God's in control of everything. You have no problem saying God doesn't need me. He can do it on his own. I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do his thing, that God's going to work everything together, right? I can quote Romans 8, 28. God works together all things for the good of those who love him. But I say that 
all while I try to be Jesus. All the while, while I'm saying that, I'm trying to keep my hands in a million different things and I view myself as central and important and I try to pull it all in and keep it all balanced and make sure everything's good and that it's overflowing for other people so things don't go off the rails, so things don't get wrecked, so people are happy and healthy and I see myself really, honestly, truly is the one who's the savior, not him. I'd never say it, but that's how I live. But the Sabbath radically combats that. Because by taking a day of rest where I do no work and I engage in none of those areas, I actually see the work of him. I actually see that I'm not always needed in every moment for every breath that I give. I actually realize that my kids are going to be just fine even though I don't open all the doors for them because he's doing that. What if you really let go and allowed God to be in control by taking a Sabbath rest? What would it look like to trust Jesus with everything that you hold in your hands? What would it look like to trust Jesus with your kids by not having them in every activity they wanted to be in and saying God's going right, to open the right door for their life and their experience? What's it going to look like in your workplace for you to say, you know what, I'm actually going to step back and allow God to be in this place where I say, I believe he is. When I started engaging with Sabbath, this was the scariest thing. As much as I said I needed the rest and recognized it, as much as I said I didn't need to be in control, I really felt this difficulty and this discipline. But as I pulled myself out, and regularly began practicing this rhythm, I realized, hey, church isn't falling apart because I'm not there. Hey, those things I'm doing as the strata president are still happening and the, the whole complex isn't burning down just because I'm not walking around it. Hey, my kids are actually in a pretty healthy place even though I was trying to get them to every single thing that I thought would be healthy for them. The world's still spinning. Life keeps on turning. And what was beautiful is that as I begin to rest, it actually increased that belief that I said I had because now I've practiced it. And now I've seen how God provided in this circumstance and that circumstance and that circumstance and the next. I began to see how God was working in ways that I hadn't even been looking for. And so it made it easier to trust in him. I invite you 
to really put your trust in the God who is in control of it all by having a day of rest. The world will continue to spin. So how do we do it? How do we go about building this discipline in? Well, for starters, let me tell you this, it doesn't just come naturally. Because if you just continue to live your life the way you are and try to take a regular day of rest, things are going to be chaotic. There is some intentionality that needs to be put in. As I've worked to make this practice a part of my life, I've realized that I have to do things the first six days of the week to make sure that when I come to the seventh, I can actually rest. That means I have to go do my grocery shopping after work instead of on my day off. It means I have to save up chores for a different day and, and, and have maybe more chores throughout the week in order to be disciplined not to do those things when I'm hanging around the house. For instance, this is what the Jewish people do when they're going to take their Shabbat. What they do is they do all the shopping and all the food preparation the day before. They make sure everything's in working order. They make sure that there's nothing in their house that will visually be of clutter that will remind them of the work that they need to do. And so when the evening comes and they go to enter into Shabbat, they can be at rest. So what you need to do is you need to pick one 24-hour period of time that you can keep consistent, that you can clear the schedule off of for the day so that you can intentionally prepare for six days for your seventh day of rest. And then when it comes, you have to enter in. You come in prepared to enjoy. And that's going to look different for every single one of us. Now I can sense that there's some of us in this room who are A-type personalities, and you're like, you can't just leave me with that. Right? Like, like, if I can't work, what do I do? Like, I'm so used to doing this. I'm so used to doing this. I'm so used to, you know, doing this. I, I got to do something. What do, what do I do? Well, it's not that we cease moving and we cease living, but we cease working and doing the things that drive us, and we do the things that worry us. So if you want to figure out what you can do, spend time with him. Just ask God, what are the things that I can do that first and foremost are expressions of worshiping you? List those things down. How do I best connect with him? How do I best worship God? What spaces and places and times in my life allow me to be access to this gratitude and praise that freely flows as I worship him? Then second, make a list of all the good gifts God has given you. What are all the great graces that I see in my life that I can enjoy as I participate in my Sabbath? Now, there's traditional lists. Uh, I'm going to share one with you on the screen. This is a traditional list that would be practiced by many people who participate in the Sabbath. On a Sabbath day in a Jewish household, and many Protestant households who participate in the Sabbath, they do this. They start the evening, oftentimes is when a lot of people like to start their Sabbath, by lighting a candle and praying a prayer of blessing. 
This is an opportunity for me to light a candle. It reminds me that the light of the world is in my home and in control, and I pray that God blesses this 24 hours that I've set apart for him. But then we can do things like feasting, enjoy good food and drink, take time to read, take time to sing, take time to make love, take time to walk, take time to nap, take time to spend time with close family and friends who don't drain you, take time alone in the quiet where it's just you and him. Take time to practice gratitude. Now for those A-type personalities who are taking notes and writing all these things down, this is not a to-do list. (laughs) This is some suggestions of things to consider as you try to rest. but I can't stop. I need to work. I need to do something. I'll get so bored. Well, then let me share with you some advice that I heard from a great rabbi. If you work with your mind, then rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, rest with your mind. If you're a tradesman and you work all day fixing things and you have a back-breaking job, sit back and do a crossword puzzle. Read a book, a magazine. Engage your mind in something that is fulfilling. If you're a person and you're like me and you're a knowledge worker and you're always thinking and, 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 and you know, sort of doing the mental stuff, do some gardening. Do a craft. Build something that you've always wanted to try building. For me, I do Lego. Gives me something to do with my head. Doesn't take a whole lot of my mind. Someone else has done the other thing. This is something where I'm moving because I can't sit still. And it gives me rest. Find the things that bring you joy. Find the things that that allow you to worship him. This isn't a legalistic thing. This is the thing the the Pharisees did wrong. They said, okay, I'm going to make a giant list. These are the yeses. These are the noes. And I'm going to, you know, make extra rules for the noes so that I make sure I never cross in. That's not what God's looking for. Instead, what he's doing is he's saying, I want you to take part in things that restore you because this is my good gift to you. To be helpful, let me just give you a little bit of an insight into what a Sabbath day looks like for me. Right now, actually, my Sabbath's a little bit in the the midst of changing because Amy's work pattern has changed, and so I'm reworking it. But but prior to that, this is sort of my regular uh, Sabbath rhythm. My Sabbath is from um, uh, Thursday night to Friday night. For many of you, your Sabbath will likely be a Sunday. It's already a day off. It's already a day you come and you've set apart to worship him, It's already a time to to sort of participate in those things. For me, love church, worship here, but this is work. And so I set aside a different time. And so Thursday night comes, I finish up at the office on my way home, pick up pizza and a bottle of wine. Don't want to cook, want to enjoy some good food, some good drink, head home. This is an opportunity now. Kids have come home for the evening and we can watch a movie. We can play a game. We can hang out together. Next morning, get up, have breakfast, help arrange with the kids. I have a nice little walk to walk them to school, send them off for the day. Then I walk home, 
often listening to worship music if I'm not chatting with one of my friends, and then I come home and I do my devotionals. This is a time where I'm undistracted, sit in the same spot, spend time with God. Prayer, reflection, scripture reading. Then after that, I take my dog for a nice little walk or, or a hike. Sometimes I like to, to go walk up in Ledgeview, and there's a couple places I like to look out and pray. And then I come home and I enjoy a leisurely lunch of whatever food I want. After that, I have some opportunity for half hour, an hour to do something that's relaxing. Sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes it's listening to more worship music. Sometimes it's just sitting and doing nothing. Then I walk to pick up the kids. I go pick up the kids. We come home. We have a, a sort of lazy afternoon and evening. That's my Sabbath rest. And all the way as I go along, I'm able to thank him. God, thank you that I live in such an amazing place where I can walk and pick up my kids. Thank you that we're in a community where I get to uh, walk with a bunch of other parents with whom we've got to be friends and I get to be an influence for you in the lives of them. Thank you, God, that I live in a place where I can go take my dog easily for a hike and where I can have these beautiful picturesque views which remind me of how good you are. Thank you, God, for great food and drink that I can enjoy with family and friends. Thank you, God, that there's these songwriters who can write songs that just announce what I'm thinking as I want to worship you. That brings rest. That brings restoration to my heart, my soul, my mind. That reminds me that those other things I've been working on and worrying about aren't really that big in the grand scheme of things. Because time and time again, I come back. The world's kept on spinning. Things have kept on going. Good things have happened even without me present. This is the type of thing that you are invited into by him. And as we do it all, I want you to remember this fifth reason we do it. And this is the most important. It's so that we can connect with him. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. The best time and place and space for you to connect with him is in the stillness and the ceasing of all that would distract from him. And it's there we see the beauty of the one who created us, who wove in rhythms of rest. It's with him we get to spend time with the one who, while we're resting in him, is busy controlling everything else, working all things, good and bad, together for the good of those who love him. It's in that that we get to know him deeper than we ever have. And we're invited to do it with regular rhythm. As we wrap up here, I'm going to read some words of Jesus about rest. 
And what I want us to do is to just sit in silence for a moment, and the words are going to be on the screen, and I want you to just reflect. What does it mean for me to experience rest? What does it mean for the fact that, that God is in control? And I want you to be aware of that. Even as we sit in this place, worshiping him, God is in control of everything else that's going on outside of this place. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to consider how, to help you, excuse me, consider how you can change your life patterns to better include him, to experience the good things that he has for you if you would just say yes to Sabbath rest. Jesus says to everyone here, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and then you will find rest for your soul. Lord, we thank you that we can come to this place and that we can even just take a moment to be silent and still. Lord, we thank you that we can do that with a level of ease because of how you are working. Lord, we thank you that we are invited in not into more tasks, not into more labor, not into a sense of, of, of needing to be driven, but instead we are invited in to see how you provide what we can't provide for ourselves. How you give the good things that the world can't give us, even though it promises us that if we would just do this, then we would get that. Or we reject that lie and we embrace your invitation to Sabbath. God, I thank you that you care about us enough to restore our hearts, soul, minds, and body. I thank you that you cared enough about us long before we ever existed in the fact that you wove rhythms into the very fabric of the universe so that things would be held together by your goodness. Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross so that we are no longer slaves to sin, but free to experience life in you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just work in our hearts and our minds to help us to find this rhythm. Not because we have to, but because we get to. God, help us to build our lives centered around you. Help us to have you as the focus and Sabbath to be the place of rest where we can find you in that. And Lord, we give over everything else that we will do for the rest of the week after we experience this period of rest here with you today. And we thank you for all those things. In your name, Jesus. Amen.